Like this is the first time in a long time that we've actually properly done two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I guess if last week was the Super Bowl episode, this is the Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. We've also lost our streak of like hitting the holiday episodes like right on the holiday. Yeah, but that would be kind of silly. <laughs> Should we just wait till February 14th? <laughs> yeah. Hi, Claire Kim Narita. Hi, Emily Chu. This week, we watched episode 12 of season 2, which is titled Silly Love Songs. And in this episode, Will gives the new directions their new assignment, Love Songs. Finn and Quinn begin an affair while Blaine sings a song to his crush. Um, an affair? Yeah, that's literally what I was thinking. Like, I guess that's kind of what happens, but to call it an affair is so silly. I honestly think that this episode had so many enjoyable numbers in it. Like, I agree. Even Rachel's, I was like, this isn't that bad. What? <laughs> Wait, when we watched it, I was like, this is not good. And you were like, this is not good. Well, I think that's because. Okay, I'll rephrase. I think that a majority of the numbers were pretty good. And Rachel's was, like, not as good compared to those. But overall, it's, like, fine. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. If you say so. I don't know if this is the exact start of the episode, but I do remember Finn is walking in the hallway, and, you know, he's riding on that glory <sighs> from winning the championship game, and he thinks he's hot stuff, and I guess the girls also think that he's hot stuff. So he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start a kissing booth to raise money for Glee. No, he gives the worst speech in the world. He's like, yay, we all didn't get slushied for a week. And everyone's like, yay. And he's like, by the way, it's because of me. Because I led our team to this uh, championship. And also, because of that, I'm a celebrity. And also, because I'm a celebrity, I want to give to charity. Oh, and you know what charity I want to give to? Glee Club. And just... That's terrible. Everyone's sitting there like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's so terrible. And to make matters worse, he's like, oh, I can have any girl at this school, but the one girl that I want, I can't have. So I'm going to do this kissing booth. So then I peer pressure her into kissing me because it's for like glee. I can't believe like Finn makes this big point out of kissing everyone on the cheek. And then when he has to kiss Quinn in front of Sam, they kiss on the lips. I'm like, this is not right. Yeah, I was confused by that because every single time I've seen this episode, I thought he was kissing everyone on the lips. That's why Rachel freaked out when he only kissed her on the cheek. But then in, like, even the extras, it seemed he was kissing them on the cheek. So then I got confused. So why would he kiss Quinn on the lips right in front of Sam? He's stupid. Sam was like, oh, you have to, like, I want to see you kiss Finn. And she's like, what? That makes no sense. I honestly think, though, that's like Sam making assertive moves, like almost overstepping his boundaries as a boyfriend, because I think his boundaries in general are in a great, great place. And I think that he did what he should have done. And beyond that, it's like so not his job. And it sucks that he's the one who gets hurt. 
but I, I I like get that but I don't understand the reasoning behind him being like okay you have to kiss Finn again I think that's just him getting turned around he's like wait wait like are you overcompensating now like what well why won't you well wait what I don't know but something's off right if I were Quinn I'd simply say why do you want me to kiss Finn and yet she didn't because because she's like ooh now I can kiss Finn (laughs) very bad oh my god the episode starts with Puck crushing on Zeises in class ah there we go there we go I hate that the underlying thread is like guys wanting what they can't have especially because with Zeises I'm like I don't want her to get with Puck she's too cool she's too good for him and then with Quinn I don't want her to get with Finn because I really like Quinn and Sam yeah and Sam is such a sweetheart has done absolutely everything right he's awesome but Quinn's still like Ooh, Finn's looking kind of good today. Which makes no sense. I'm like, Quinn, are you serious right now? When Sam confronts her in the library, he's like, what do you think you're, like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm looking at records. And they have this conversation while she's looking at the records. And then in the next scene, when they're in the hallway, he's like, oh, yeah, like, those records that you were looking at, I downloaded them onto my iTunes. And I just, I just heard him say that. And I was like, girl <laughs> you choose Finn over Sam oh my god and then she ignores that to run back and be like Finn meet me in the auditorium like oh, oh my god Sam deserved better but yeah it's it's pretty disappointing to see Quinn like this and I think we see her like this a lot throughout the show and I don't really understand like what her character is supposed to be because First of all, my expectations for these writers are super low, you know? So for me, every character is like one-dimensional, but has this kind of like, ooh, U-turn, bet you didn't see that coming about them. So already it's like his one singular dimension is that he's in a wheelchair, but then he's like, whoa, U-turn is like, oh, I'm a ladies' man and I'm, I am swaggy or something. <laughs> I don't really know, right? Mm-hmm. And so with Quinn, I thought it was like, oh, you think she's like this perfect Christian girl, but really she's not? Like, is that what her thing is? Or it's like, oh, she thinks she's the one who's going to get out of this town, but really she makes questionable choices. Like, it's really hard for me to put a finger on what her one dimension and U-turn is, which maybe is a good thing. I don't know. That's actually really true. When I think of Quinn, I feel like she's supposed to be like the mean popular girl, but then also she's like the president of the celibacy club who then got pregnant like she's very complex but i also think that the reason why her character makes such bad decisions all the time is because the writers just hate her like it's so obvious that they have it out for diana agron for whatever reason and like it's so annoying makes me sick to think of them being in the writer's room like taking out some weird revenge on people who were mean to them in high school dude maybe it's like they like Ryan Murphy sees himself as Rachel so he's like jealous of Diana and is like I'm gonna take it out on Quinn dude isn't it crazy how much shit Quinn has been through yes she was pregnant she dated Finn she (laughs) (laughs) 
um, she was in a wheelchair. Like, I think what they might be trying to get at with some of Quinn's arcs is like, oh, she thinks she can get out of this town. But in the end, like, it, like a big kind of concept throughout the show is the Lima loser. But she's always being like, well, I'm going to graduate the top of my class and I plan on going to Yale and all this stuff. And she like has all this stuff planned out. And she's like, I am going to get out of Lima, Ohio. But then she ends up like with Puck, like Puck ends up being endgame for her. I guess. So that's something. But I think that they mashed multiple characters into Quinn. Like, they forced too many things into it. Because, like, her being, like, self-destructive with her decisions kind of doesn't make sense with that part of her that's like, oh, I'm gonna go to Yale. Because the way that she talks about getting out of Lima isn't like, I need to get out of this town now. Like, I could see how that could turn into, like, self-destruction or self-sabotage on purpose or on accident but the way that she talks about it is very measured she's like nope this is exactly what i'm gonna do it seems like she actually has it all planned out and it doesn't seem very frantic so it's surprising when she comes back and she's like i made all these wild decisions who saw that coming yeah the only good decision she made was sleeping with santana at will's failed wedding did she do that? Yeah, they like Jeez, I don't remember they hooked the up. Anyways, back to Glee. I think that in this episode, it's like not unbelievable that her and Finn have like this weird thing going on where they're kind of drawn to each other. But the reason why I have such a big issue with it is that like there's never a part of me that doubts that they're gonna get together, which sucks because Sam is great great boyfriend and also a great character and i feel like his relationship with quinn is so unique because for once he's just like yeah i respect you and i like don't Mm -hmm. doubt it you know it's not like he's trying to like get in her pants he's like i respect you and i'm like he respects you why do you choose (laughs) finn over him oh i really really didn't like the part when they were kind of like on the auditorium stage and quinn says like you know this is gonna make me a cheater like sometimes she's talking to rachel and she's like if the roles were reversed i'd torture you something like that right and i'm like wow like she's showing her true colors and it's not this like perfect kind wholesome christian girl and like but it makes me respect her right so her being like oh you know like this is gonna make me a cheater is that what you want it like feels like the opposite almost like she is like trying to offload the guilt onto finn or something being like oh you're making me a cheater when like she cheated on him before and and when she's not like honest with herself about what she's doing i'm like this is gross and i i don't respect it yeah i guess that's one way to view it like for me in that situation she's already kind of been like firm so she's like oh what if i approach it in a different way and like remind him like hey isn't this like something that really hurt you and like you want to get with me like i I she's obviously they're wanting to hook no, up no no, no. i know i think she wants to do it but she wants him to kind of like try stop because like you know when yeah. you're trying to be like i'm the moral she's trying to self-sabotage like, her self-sabotage yeah like she's like okay 
I, I'm saying no, I'm saying no, but you can only say like no so many times before you're like, oh fuck, like I want to give in, you know? So now she's like, oh, what if like, hey, like Finn, but then he's like, I'm not falling for it. Like, hey, I still want you. And she's like, fuck. Yeah. I really don't like it. I know. Uh. That's what makes it kind of compelling. I'm like, dang, she's kind of a complex character, which is why I'm like, why is she not the main character? But I think she can be complex without the moral ambiguity. Because normally it's like, maybe in the grand scheme of the world, uh, according to society's morals, she's like morally ambiguous or whatever, but she knows herself, right? And she's very steadfast in her own morals. She's like, I know this about myself. If we were reversed, I would be super mean to you. Maybe it's not the right thing to do, but it would be what's good for me. Mm-hmm. But then this, is that her being steadfast in her morals? Her being like, should we do it but you didn't like it last time like oh i don't like to see that quinn it makes me feel sad yeah and part of it also feels a little bit shaky because i'm like wow finn really does it for you like you're you're (laughs) so willing to risk everything for this man yeah Uh, i mean it kind of makes sense that because like they had that prior relationship so there's that history there it's not unreasonable to be like well you know what even sometimes everything's perfect but it just doesn't work out you still got to go for the one that you know will be worse for you like you just got to follow your heart sometimes right but they don't really show us that so i'm kind of like this is a waste of my time like if you're gonna do it then do it better yeah Uh, i feel like sam and quinn or this version of sam and quinn were like Right person, wrong time. Mm. Fuck! (laughs) You know, I feel so bad. Dude, imagine if, like, the writers really gave us, like, beefy, beefy material to work with, where Sam and Quinn are, like, that couple, you know? Like, almost as much screen time as they give to Finn and Rachel. I feel like this betrayal would be even more heartbreaking, but because I know that they, like, only kind of, like, gave her Sam to set up, like, ooh, now it's, like, they're both taken, but they both like each other. Like, I know that it's, like, oh, she's gonna go to Finn. I really, really like the conversation that Sam and Quinn have. And Sam is like, I know you. You're ambitious. And I know you think that you need to get back with Finn. Now that he's back on top of the school. I know that's why you're going for this. And I'm trying to tell you that's not the answer. Like, don't do it. I was like, oh my god, Sam sees her. He knows all. Quinn, please listen to him. Yeah, like, I wish the writers kind of show them being a stronger couple more yeah especially when they give sam like juicy bits of dialogue like that i'm like wow he's really competent he totally sees her for who she is and yet i'm supposed to believe that quinn wants to be with finn more than she like cares about that side of sam and then also that she's meant to be with puck at the end of all of this Try to imagine, like, if Sam had just dished that out, something absolutely true, so obvious that he sees her. Like, I think that her actual reaction would be like, Ugh, what am I doing? And I think she would fucking go through it. Like, I don't know, maybe she has no one to turn to, maybe she's, like, going through it. 
I, I don't really know. Maybe she's like, oh, should I go talk to Finn about it? And then it gets a little dicey and you're like, no, don't go talk to Finn about it. It's going to, oh, he's going to see you vulnerable. Like they could have done so much, but instead she's kind of just like, la da da, Sam, I don't know what you're talking about. Ooh, Finn, hey. Like, it's just disappointing. Could have been juicier. Why is it so unbelievable for me that like, Quinn and Santana are friends or like even the unholy trinity I just like don't believe that Santana and Brittany are as close to Quinn as like yeah they are I don't know why other. like they just keep letting Quinn be like the front man when they're doing their holy trinity numbers yeah. I mean I do like Quinn I like her a lot but like give her some friends for god's sake where's the Mercedes Quinn interactions Oh, so true. That's some juicy stuff. That's a complex relationship. Remember when Ryan Murphy wrote that stupid ass scene where Quinn was like, people like push me around and treat me badly just because of the way I look. And Mercedes Mercedes is like, yeah. (laughs) Yep. And Quinn is like, Mm -hmm. and they like do that to you too. And Mercedes is like, yes. Yay, <laughs> you got there. Good job. Now, you can come stay at my house because I'm a nice person. Mercedes is literally nice to everybody. And no one is nice back to her. Why does she get snubbed constantly? Yeah. I know why she gets snubbed constantly. Racism. Yeah. Phobia. Yeah. Et cetera. Dude. It's, like, so annoying how blatant they are with, like, the mistreatment towards Mercedes and Tina. I'm like, dang, racism. Because, like, if I had the ability to rewrite Glee, Rachel, bye. I would have Quinn at the center of all of this, and I would, like, have her and Mercedes have, like, this friendship, and Mercedes is, like, or Quinn's, like, who can I turn to? And then it's, like, Mercedes is there for her. Instead of, I don't know, a sleepover with Rachel, Mercedes, and Kurt? Am I supposed to believe that Mercedes was like, yeah, let's do this. No, thank you. If it's at Kurt's house, maybe. If it's at Rachel's house, come on. No way. I'm stupid. No way. Yeah. Honestly, I would be fine with keeping Leah, or not Leah, but like Rachel, I guess, in the middle as the main character of Glee. But I would want it to be more kind of like... This girl's main character syndrome is out of control. And then she learns to look at the people around her because everyone brings a lot of talent to the table. I feel like it would be so interesting if Rachel, because, you know, she's all about that, like, Broadway dreams and she has to be number one. It would be so interesting if the show continued where she gets everything that she wants and there's not a lot of consequences, but she finally realizes that she's all alone at the top you know Mm. that would be so interesting and then it's like oh well at least i have kurt but then kurt he has like blaine and then mercedes and then like mercedes she might not be at the top but she has like sam and like maybe quinn and like all like i I think it would be so interesting if they showed it from that perspective where everyone in glee is super tight but they're all like uh, side-eyeing rachel and then rachel's like truly alone the thing is though i think rachel thinks that she's alone at the top right now and she kind of is and she's sort of like 
well, I'm more talented than all of you, so I guess that's what it is to be alone at the top. Like, I think she kind of thinks it about herself now. No, but I'm talking more of, like, season four and beyond. Because, like, that's... I have friends in New York. Yeah, and she like truly gets everything that she wants. So no, easy. Fucked up. And then it's like Mercedes has to struggle. Finn has to struggle. Kurt has to str- Everybody struggles except for Rachel. The only time she really struggles is because she's being stupid and she's like, this was like, I thought I wanted Broadway, but now I want TV. And I'm like, this she's isn't stupid. compelling. If I had to put my own spin on it or like add in my own two cents i guess if like everyone was kind of living their separate lives and she was like wow we're all off doing our great things and then maybe like they all start to get close again after spending time apart from each other because they all sort of like relate through their various struggles and then rachel's like wait what i don't get it and everyone's like oh no no no, you don't get it like and then kind of like ostracizes her well, I guess maybe the show already cut kind of does that when they separate her and, dude, the most fucking annoying thing <laughs> on this planet, I just remembered, is like at the end of season three, for whatever reason, Rachel gives Santana a picture of her to put in her locker and Santana does. And then they justify it by in season four, Santana moves in. So now it's like Santana, Rachel, and Kurt, and they're like besties. And I'm like, what is this? I know, as if Santana would be like, well, instead of living by myself in New York or even with a stranger, you know who I'm going to live with? Rachel Berry. And Santana is like so talented, right? So that whole subplot where it's like, she's gonna be rachel's understudy and rachel goes batshit crazy that is so funny it's so enjoyable to watch i agree that's why i really wanted us to only do season two of glee because i think season two of glee is the best season of glee it's so perfect Mm -hmm. the pocket after season two i'm like "Mm." season three is still like better it's like still in the golden era of glee but like you can tell it's starting to fall apart a little bit hmm Okay, so then moving on to Rachel. What is this girl on about? She's like, on the cheek? What? And then Finn, first of all, is stupid, but is being kind of reasonable and dealing with her. And he's like, um, but I thought you said you were over me. And then she's like, okay, fine. I still love you. And he's like, um, but whatever. And, like, I don't understand where Rachel thinks she's coming from. I think she's in like, her mind, she's just like... Forgive me? Yeah, no, because she's like, Finn and I are endgame. Finchel. So she's just like, when is Finn going to come back around and realize that we're meant to be together forever? Heart. And I'm like, you did a really bad thing. So yeah. chill out, man. I like how she's like um when are you gonna forgive me and he's like bitch you cheated on me (laughs) like i'm not just gonna recover like that's the thing i i know that this is like a couple episodes episodes ago and i can't really remember how deeply we talked about it but like rachel knew how bad it hurt him when quinn cheated on him that's specifically why she like cheated on him with puck so, like, I, I, I can't understand how she, like, can understand that when she's trying to do it against him. But, like, when she's trying to get her his forgiveness, suddenly she's like, I don't get what the big deal is. And I'm like, bitch, yeah. you're stupid. 
She is stupid. But you know who else is stupid is Finn, who literally Quinn brings that up. She's like, oh, I'm cheating. That's what hurt you twice. And he's like, whoa, (laughs) whatever. Oh, no, they're both awful. Finn and Rachel are both awful. Maybe that's why they deserve each other. Honestly. And Quinn can just go be happy with Sam. Please. I know. 100%. And then, like, Rachel has that weird scene where she, like, shows up in the nurse's office, which she's always doing shit like that that I just cannot explain for the life of me. Like, why is she always, like, showing up? And she's like, no, I would do this for anyone. I'm like, girl, don't lie. (laughs) But then, okay, well, first of all, everything that's out of Rachel's mouth is, like, so manipulative. She's like, Quinn's prettier than me. Oh, I really liked it when you chose me over her. That's what made me happy. Like, all this weird stuff. And then Finn is, like, kind of being a trooper. He's like, no, stop it. Okay, you're beautiful, blah, blah, whatever. But then he's stupid enough to be like, kissing her felt like fireworks. And then Rachel gets this really, really sad look on her face. And she's like, I get it. Now it's time for me to go be empowered by myself. I'm like, what are you doing? Am I, the viewer, supposed to be like, good job, Rachel. You, great. Like, I'm shaking my head because as you're saying it, it's it just sounds ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous. And that's like how the episode ends with this stupid conversation between stupid Finn and stupid Rachel. And then Rachel's like, you inspired my song choice for this week, which by the way, was to pick love songs. And she goes and sings Firework by Katy Perry. Yeah. And it's not even a good cover. It's like fine. I, th- I I said in the beginning of the episode that I thought the musical numbers this week were good. So I guess it's fine, but it's just so stupid. And then also... Like, back when she's having a sleepover with Mercedes and Kurt, they're, like, talking about boys, right? And she's like, I'm going to bring a $100 bill, and Finn is going to have no change, so he's going to have to kiss me 100 times and then realize that he's, like, in love with me. One, psychotic. Two, it's like, why is she allowing him to take up so much space, like, so much free real estate in her brain when it's so Mm. obvious he wants nothing to do with her? I feel like he kind of wants something to do with her because, obviously, he's still a little bit hung up on her. But, like, he knows in his brain he's like, I can't deal with her because she, Mm -hmm. like, she broke my trust and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. then in Rachel's head, she's like, ugh, but Finn. And I'm like, girl, you were able to pull Jesse St. James. Like, why are you still hung up on Finn? Yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, the f- the firework thing, I'm so hung up on it. Like, what, did they have to bring in firework as some, like, metaphor just so she could sing that song? Because, like, the actual firework part when they kissed was pretty weak. And the part when he says, firework, stupid. The part when he tells Rachel it felt like fireworks stupid and then when she sings firework doesn't sound good it's not a love song stupid so from start to finish this entire thing pretty dumb do they have to put any of it in at all the actors know what they're doing they can act like there was a spark you know yeah i know that we always talk about how rachel shouldn't sing pop songs because leah michelle 
doesn't sound good when she sings pop songs but especially with fire like there was something about it where i was like ma'am this isn't like a broadway number why are you singing it like it is you know leah michelle also does this thing where she's like supposed to be i guess sad like emotional when she sings but like her eyes get all like glassy and her mouth just like i just i can't even describe it but when we were watching firework and she's like boom 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 i was like this is disgusting i want to look away embarrassing she just doesn't have the range Ugh, it's ah again with the writers pushing the stupid finchel plot line when it's like first of all we don't even get a good musical number out of it second of all it's tired it's boring versus Mm -hmm. the the uh kurt and blaine storyline of this episode was a chef's kiss just like the way it starts okay first of all every single time we talk about blaine we're like oh my god he's so dreamy darren chris just like doing his job is way too charming it's like so powerful yeah when they're at the coffee shop and he's like da 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 da, my coffee order kurt's coffee order and maybe i can get this guy to split a cupid cookie with me just like uh he's like gliding through life you know yes and kurt's a little bit like Ooh. he oh knows my, God, my coffee here? order <laughs> so but then it's like also like it just like feels like he's flirting with everyone and anyone mm-hmm. so i'm like dude how is everyone just not falling in love with him like mm-hmm. if i was the person taking their order i'd be like am i in love with you <laughs> like um <laughs> but it's like that's what makes it so believable when kurt is like, wait, am I making this all up? Or does he, like, he actually like me? So when Blaine's like, oh, there's this guy that I like and I want to confess my feelings, so I'm going to sing this song. Kurt, when he gets that look on his face, being like, is it me? I'm like, bro, I, I even though I know it's not you, I want it to be you. <laughs> I know. Kurt, like, what he says later, he's like, okay, this happened and this happened and this is what it was like for me am i supposed to take that as nothing like he the way that he worded it i thought was great like i guess the writers really did something for once but it was not like why don't you love me or anything like that or like oh how could you go to someone else because that's not reasonable but kurt he was like i i i thought it was gonna be me when we were watching it, you were like, oh, he's so brave. Kurt <laughs> constantly has moments like that where he'll just, like, say something. And I'm like, damn. Like, back when he was at McKinley, he would just say things to Karabsky's face. He would say things to Sue Sylvester's face. And, like, right now, just, like, saying things to Blaine. He's just so awesome. I don't know how he does it. Could never be me. And it's so funny thinking about how he was inspired to stand up to Karabsky because, like, Blaine was like, have courage or i don't remember what it is but like you know the whole thing is that like oh blaine is the one who inspired him but at this point i'm like i think it's all you kurt like you just continue to surprise me with your honesty Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. in this episode like imagine you have like your hopes set and then your crush basically is like nah that was all just me being friendly like we're just friends and then to go and tell that person even knowing that he doesn't have feelings for you in that way. Mm-hmm. Kurt was like, I like you, and I thought that you were going to confess to me. I'm like, dude, like, 
You, oh, it's amazing. He's the blueprint. He really is. Like, he is so inspiring. And it's partially why I just, like, want them to work out so badly. Because it's yeah. like, dude, how can you not root for Kurt? Yeah. Also, Chris Colfer is so good at acting. I, I forgot know. what stage of, like, the many conversations that Kurt and Blaine have. Um, I forgot what stage of those conversations it's in. But there's a moment kind of where, like, he realizes basically the situation and he kind of is, like, trying to hold it together. And he Chris Colfer plays it incredibly incredibly what a guy he deserved that golden globe i just yeah every single episode that we watch where it's focused on the kurt and blaine relationship i don't know how they do it but the camera will just go to them and they just make a face they like mm-hmm. raise one eyebrow and i'm like i know exactly what you're thinking yeah. is this what acting is that's good acting that's great acting also i think what makes this this arc particularly i don't know compelling or like satisfying or something is that it's such a high school plot it's like a perfect high school plot it's believable it's relatable like kurt thinks that blaine has a crush on him and it turns out it's someone else and then blaine kind of makes a fool of himself and he's really embarrassed but kurt is like too distracted by himself being embarrassed about it but then decides to tell blaine the truth and then blaine even though he's had this like confident gliding through life charade up this whole time he's like actually i have no clue what i'm doing what i'm doing and kurt maybe a little hopefully is like me neither and blaine is like but i don't want to ruin what you and i have and then there's like a little stage in between where Kurt's talking to his friends like, oh, did I make the whole thing up? Dang, like, is it real? Is it not real? That's all such relatable high school content. It's I 100% agree. Beautifully done. Um, I feel like we talked a lot about Kurt and Blaine, but I just want to talk about Darren Chris just, just for like 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes. Like, okay, first of all, it's so funny when he goes to the warblers and he's like i want to perform at this gap and they're like atrocious how can we perform in a public (laughs) setting how dare you sir and then they perform at this gap first of all um they go to the grove which is 100 percent at the grove oh wait the yeah the gap which is at the grove anyways i when literally i couldn't concentrate on the scene because i was like is that the grove um but at this gap they just pop off with one of the best covers by the Warblers I have ever heard. Yeah. I have not even heard the original song, but just because I know that it's by Robin Thicke, it's probably not as good as Darren Chris. <laughs> but yeah, wow. it's pretty, pretty amazing. Like, it is powerful. I-, I think the song itself, this is basically what you just said, but the song itself, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like it that much, but then there would be moments the way they performed it, I'd be like, ooh, okay. <laughs> The arrangement, the performance, the staging, it was all awesome. I 100% think that Darren Chris was meant to be a star. Um, So glad for him. Sorry that he started out on Glee, but you know what? He gave us some very great covers, but especially this number. Like, if I was at that gap, I would be so entertained. I usually hate flash mobs and stuff like that, but just the way that Darren Chris was like interacting with 
the the displays and just like there's this mm-hmm. one part in the song where they kind of like pause and then Darren Chris comes in and I mm-hmm. I can't even like, describe the feeling like ah he's so talented <laughs> yeah I agree kind of sucks though when it ends and he's like was that too much <laughs> I was like yes, <laughs> yes <laughs> if Darren. I were man if I were Jeremiah I would be so embarrassed yeah. And but it's okay. He also got fired. Yeah, I'm a little curious about that. Like, how can the manager, like, Jeremiah's like, wait, I didn't make that flash mom. But, like, whatever, okay, I don't know. I also think that that's, like, a great, I think that the, the reaction to it was also written awesomely. Like, it's awesome that Darren is like, oh, no, I, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. And, like, it was a fumble and... Because, like, normally Glee lives in this, like, weird little bubble where they're like, well, I didn't know how to say this to you, so I'll just sing it instead. And then they're like, oh, awesome. But then Jeremiah's like, yeah, that was not good, man. Okay, peace. His line after, it's like, you can't just come into someone's place of work and bust a move. And I was like, first of all, who wrote that? Second of all, true. Yeah. The poor guy, the way he was walking around the store as the warblers were just popping up left and right. Darren was just, like, looking at him. And he was like... He's like, I'm like, just trying to around, work. Just trying to work. Yeah. <laughs> I really do kind of like that plot line, though. Because, like, it would have been so easy for the writers to just have been like, Ooh, Kurt's the one that Blaine likes, and now they're together. But there's, mm-hmm. like, a little bit of struggle there, you know? Mm-hmm. The yearning. Yeah. The pining. Yeah. I will say, if I were the Warblers, I'd be like, wait, we performed off-campus for the first time since 1927 for that? <laughs> and then they go and perform at Breadsticks. So I'm like, oh, now oh, that... Two times? Yeah, now that they ripped the Band-Aid off, they're like, fuck yeah. it, let's do everywhere. Um, I guess we should kind of talk about, like, the other musical performances. Because, like, some of them are tied to, like, the plot. So Will's like, okay, I want you guys to sing love songs. And Puck is like... I know what song I'm gonna sing. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with the Puck and Zeissi's plotline. That is a fact, but I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I kind of... Okay. The way that they introduce Puck having, like, romantic interest in Zeissi's, kind of interesting. Because, like... Watching it, I'm like, dude, if that happened to me, I would kind of get caught off guard, too. So it Mm. makes sense why he's, like, super interested in her. But I'm just like, like, I don't want it to be, oh, the audience should be like, what? He's interested in her? I know. You know? Because she's so awesome and interesting. I agree. (sighs) Especially like and the she's way that really cute. Yeah, and like the way oh. that she helps out the Glee Club, I'm like, she is their MVP. <laughs> I know that's so true. Without her, they are nothing. They're out of the running. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Yeah. Oh my god! Like when Puck is kind of like wooing her, and she's just like sitting there shyly. I'm like, oh, Sisyphus, Lauren. She like takes off okay? her glasses. Yeah, I'm like, why do you why do you take off your glasses? Like, uh, you look beautiful without your glasses like they keep <laughs> whoever is making lauren's do all this weird shit and like go through all this weird shit just 
disrespectful. I'm sorry. Let her wear her glasses. Let her live in peace. Whatever. But, um, like, okay, the things that Puck says are so stupid. But it makes sense because we know Puck is stupid, right? Like, he's like, I don't just like you because you're curvy. Like, your curves turn me on, babe, or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're the dumbest man alive. And Zeiss is like, um, yeah, when you sang this song to me that was literally only about being fat, that hurt my feelings and I didn't like it. I'm like, wow. Wait, wait, wait. I I think the way that that she says it after he finishes the song is, like, so well written because he sings this entire song to her and she's like, that's the first time anyone sung, like, a love song to me and it made me feel like shit. And I was like, damn, Lauren. But it's so true. I feel like he tried to do this nice thing for her but he totally focused on possibly the one thing that she's most insecure about and tries to like you know combat by being this like really hardcore athlete um so it's kind of nice that they showed her being able to like i don't know take off her armor and be like hey actually even though i pretend to be like this i'm still insecure about it you know Mm -hmm. In my heart of hearts, what I believe from watching this episode is that Puck's feelings were in a genuine place and were kind of in the right place, but he's just a fucking dumbass. Like, he would fumble over his words, can't express it, but I really thought that his feelings were genuine. Like, he actually just liked her a lot and just, like, didn't know how to express it in a normal way, which doesn't really excuse the, like, annoying way he would talk to her and, like, only talk about her body, basically. I forgot what my point was. I just got lost. Cool. Um, But anyway, I thought it was, like, kind of cute. But also, she's, like, too good for him. And I was like, Puck is gross. Like, I don't think she should get with him. I don't think she does get with him. Which is great because she can do better. Um, It's just, I don't know. The way that they handle their romance, I guess, in this episode is weird. Because she, like, stands him up she stood him up at breadsticks you know like she seemed genuinely surprised she was like oh oh my god we had a date didn't we oh who knows what's going on in her life we don't i know why won't they show us but i do remember i like that mystery because puck is like oh i'm hurt and she's like oh shit like we had a date and like it seemed like she she maybe wanted to go or i don't know maybe there's something else at play but we don't know you know yeah I kind of remember that when they had that conversation where he was like, I don't just like you because you're curvy. He also said, I like you because you're more of a badass than I am and I like respect Mm -hmm. you. And I guess that's kind of like the core of their relationship. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. no girl has ever really like been like that for him. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's the thing. Okay, that's like kind of gross for me because I Mm -hmm. feel like there's always that like trope i guess in teen romance where it's like whoa she's not like other girls and i'm like don't make girls think that they have to act a different way in order to please men you know yeah anyways this is like my hope is that his feelings are in the right place and he just only knows how to express them like a dumbass like maybe he's like wow she's cool because like i feel like the way santana relates to him he it, it seems like something that he might enjoy in the moment but then like long term is kind of like wait 
what am I doing? Like, why does she want me? Like, what does she want me for? Like, what am I to her, you know? But I feel like Xyces is like, oh, like, we can sort of, like, level with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, I can respect her. I-, I don't know, like, the badassery of Santana as it relates to Puck is, like, different than the badassery of Xyces as it relates to Puck. I also think that maybe it's because Santana also sees him as, like, oh, he's, like, a viable option for me. Like, you know, it's like he's as popular as her, he's as hot as her, whatever. Whereas, like, with Zyces, it's obvious that she's more of an outcast than Puck is. Mm -hmm. So then he, like, genuinely likes her for, like, the reasons that I guess we were just talking about. Maybe that's what... Like, I feel like Santana is also pretty manipulative and, like, calculating as Quinn. So she's like, oh, it's, like, strategic for me to align myself with Puck. I see, yeah. I must say, that song was a banger. The way that he performed it, I was like, this is so oh enjoyable. My God, it was so good. When it started, I was like, what's happening? What's happening? This is so good. What's happening? Yeah. Like, I was like, dang, kind of forgot that Puck can sing. Much to think about. Um, I also... <clears throat> I don't know. I really like the number. I think some of their conversations were a little weird. Like, the whole fight that she has with Santana over Puck, I was like, why are you guys fighting? I mean, I know why Lauren is fighting, but Santana, you really want Puck that bad? He said, that's the thing. Like, I feel like Santana acts like, ugh, you're just like my little toy. I'll use you whenever I need you. But then she'll be like, why are you trying to get with, like, mine? Like, he belongs to me. For Puck, that must be like, does she even value me? Like, am I an object to her? I'm pretty sure he's an object to her. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think the the parts I didn't like were every time, like, Lauren would take on this weird, like, black scent to be, what, tough? Like, I don't know. I don't even know. Weird. And I didn't like it. But when she was just being Lauren without the black scent, she was pretty cool. I feel like this show is, like, obsessed with, like... I guess black sense, and then what is it? A A V E. I don't know. I it, I just get strong vibes. Like whenever it's like, ooh, gotta be sassy. It's always yeah. like. Anyways, Maybe. I think that we both agree that the best part of this episode were the musical numbers. But tell me why, when there's so many good musical numbers, they have to have Tina Cohen Chang sing. My Funny Valentine, and then, like, cry? I don't get it. No, it's so rude. It's unbelievable that they let that go to air. That they wrote it like that, that they filmed it like that, they edited it like that, and they just, like, aired it like that. That is unbelievable. I'm like, is this comedy? Not funny. It's, like, so laugh. shocking. I was like, holy shit, Tina's gonna get a solo. That's so exciting. And she sounded pretty good, but there was, like... Listening to Rachel's firework and Puck's uh, whatever song he's saying, like, their voices sound so treated, but Tina's voice always sounds very, very raw, as if they were just like, all right, we're just going to use the boom mics, live sing, go for it, Jenna. Well, I think they made her sing live because she has to start crying, you know, and it's not really like a performance performance, it's more of a scene just so awful like i just know people are out there being like 
ooh, she sounds bad. And then she starts crying and they're like, what's up with this weird goth girl? She's like kind of weird. And like Mike and Tina have such a sweet relationship. Like Mike says something very sweet right, right, right before he sings P-by-T by Michael Jackson. <laughs> They've been together for a long time. They seem to cherish each other. Like she deserves to just sing him a love song. But why does it have to be like that? Yeah. They couldn't even let her get through, like, four lines of her solo. I honestly don't know when this joke first started where Tina just cries all the time. But it's not funny. (laughs) It's not funny. And they let her sit there and sob for so long. We get it, okay? If you're going to use this joke, whatever. Just cut the scene off when she starts sobbing. Like, we don't have to sit there and watch her collapse on the floor. It really, like, didn't serve any purpose. It was just rude. I guess it's supposed to be funny, but it was just so long. Like, if you're gonna... I feel like Glee usually has, like, really quick jokes, but Mm -hmm. that was so long. They're like, haha, fuck you, Jenna. Go do something embarrassing. Dude, it's so messed up. Ah, fuck. There's, like, so many things in this episode that happened that I'm, like, now remembering. So there's, like, the PYT number, which very good number but also weird song choice Um, so weird they start like being like man we have the most awesome girlfriends in the school we are so lucky and they're like i want to love you pyt pretty young thing like okay weird choice um also once again i have to say it why does Artie keep pulling the most beautiful talented girls at the school he doesn't deserve them I think that another big thing that happens is, like, Santana kind of has this weird storyline where I guess she's kind of, like, knocked down a peg. Rachel openly speaks out against her in Glee Club, which, shocking. Santana then cries in the hallway. so rude. Yeah. The thing that she said about Santana, like, working the pole, I'm like, damn, you didn't have to go that far. So uncalled for. Yeah. Also, when she's first crying, I was like, damn like but then her line kind of like makes it comedic which felt a little bad because it was sort of undermining her crying but also like the line was it's kind of funny yeah (laughs) um like i just want to be honest with everyone because i think they all suck (laughs) yeah she's kind of funny and that's like kind of what makes it sad because in this episode she's like why am i single when i'm so hot and i'm like yeah you are very hot and then everyone else is like linked up like what's that about and everyone's like you're a fucking bitch and she's like honestly i'm hilarious and i'm like everyone is right yes (laughs) (laughs) and then she realizes oh quinn and finn are fooling around which i guess the episode thinks is an affair and then like she's like i'm gonna devise this plan to give finn mono and he's gonna kiss quinn so she gets mono and then i can reveal to everyone that they're fooling around so messy yeah it's kind of unhinged she could have chosen a less complicated way to do it and also it doesn't make sense that she's like oh i've had mono so many times that like she's sitting there in the choir room fine but okay and then also wouldn't he spread mono to like the rest of the girls that he kissed but he kissed them on the cheek that's what's confusing to me because i'm like why would he then only kiss quinn on the lips doesn't really make sense the question (laughs) indeed um also no way in hell the school would be like, yeah, you can do this. No way. 
the kissing booth thing dude when it first shows up on screen you were like that is in the middle of the hallway i was like (laughs) yeah it is why isn't it like in the parking lot or something it just makes no sense so stupid no sense and who built that who built his little stand and the stupid fucking sign where it's like the kisser is in the amount of times i had to watch him flip that fucking sign i swear to god and the fact that everyone just wanted to kiss him like girls i was like shut the fuck up he's like i did it i kissed every girl in the school and raised like 300 bucks and And will's like okay that's half a ticket to nationals yay i was like lol (laughs) but also i was like hey fuck you will you're always like we need to raise money and finn finally raises money and you're like not enough hate that man hate him i can't remember anything else that happens i mean at the very end they're at breadsticks Sam is there alone because Quinn is out for the count with Mono. Rachel is, like, alone, and they're, like, uh, Mercedes, Mike, and Tina are, like, can we join you? And she's, like, I would love that. And I'm, like, okay, congratulations. Puck and Zyces are there as friends, which I'm very happy about. She's, like, oh, I need to take it slow. And so they're taking it slow, but they're kind of, you know, like being friendly. She's being very cute. Like they kind of like, oh, look at each other. Oh, it's like, ah, like, you know, <laughs> She's like, oh. they like kind of like touch hands or something. They're just like being friendly and cute. And Blaine is there singing a solo as he does. No one else in the Warblers ever sings a solo ever. Only Blaine. And Blaine had the audacity, like when he first met Kurt to be like, Oh, yeah, the you Warblers. Try for solo. And he's like, the Warblers are like rock stars. And I'm like, oh, you mean you? You, the lead singer? <laughs> so embarrassing. But it's okay. That number was really good. Once again, Mr. Darren Chris carrying the show on his back. Yeah. Dude, a great absence of Will Schuster from this episode, to be honest. Yeah. It, it honestly felt really good. Yeah. You know what? The plot was frustrating to watch, but at least we got some kind of, like, character development. Like, usually it's kind of just, like, Finn and Rachel bumping around and being horrible, which we did have some of that. Yes, indeed. But we got, like, a little bit on Quinn, a little bit on Sam. We got, like, a lot on Lauren, a good amount on Santana. We even got, like, a little bit of Mike. We got a small peek into his brain, you know? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I I thought it was pretty good. The problem I have is that, like, I know that Quinn and Sam break up. Oh, we got a lot of curtain blame. That too. I know that Quinn and Sam break up next episode, and I just want to savor them being together a little bit more. I know, right? Um, Spoiler alert. But (sighs) it's just because, like, I honestly don't understand why she gets back with Finn. That's like top two worst decisions she's ever made in her life. Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? We have to sacrifice like really good musical numbers for really like bad plot. Basically, we can't have both a good plot and good numbers. It has to be one or the other. It's so frustrating because once the musical numbers end, I'm like, God damn, I have to see, like, Quinn and Finn sneakily staring at each other. Gross. Yeah, but, like, I'm not watching Glee over other shows for the plot, you know? I'm not like, okay, well, I'll sit through this bad musical number, and, oh, this plot is juicy, you know? Yeah. 
Say what you want about Glee, at least they had actually good musical numbers. At times. At times. But you know what? I guess Ryan Murphy demands that it be so. What a shame. Ryan Murphy is literally like a My enemy. Super, yeah, he's enemy number one of this podcast. Him and Matthew Morrison. I would say him and Leah Michelle, and then Will Schuster, because Leah Michelle's a real person. Oh, That's true, true, true. Horrifying. Yeah, if we had to rank it, I would say that Ryan Murphy's number one and Leah Michelle is number two. Sorry to the other two writers. I don't know who you are, but in my mind, Ryan Murphy is the one that I turn to when I'm like, it's your fault. This is why the episode was bad. Yeah, you other two writers, wherever you are, you're lucky. Oh my god, I just names. realized there was like no Sue in this episode. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, best song, worst song. The worst song is Tina's. Absolutely, hands down. Well, it's a can that even be considered as like a song? I actually got angry when it happened. There was no reason it had to be like that at all. So I just need to express my hate for that. If you want me to pick something else, I will. It's okay. What's best song for you then? I think Puck's song. Interesting. The lyrics are horrible and stuff, right? But it, it was really great. Obviously, the one in the gap is like... I, I, I was thinking about it the whole time. Like, which one would I choose? Which one would I choose? But I think like just on personal preference, I would go with Puck's song. Sorry to Lauren's Ices. I I'm sorry. I know the song made you feel like shit. I think worst song is probably Firework. That that makes me so sad to say that because I genuinely think it is a great Katy Perry song. However, Rachel Berry, please never sing that again. I'm so confused. How did we start this episode? Mm, dot 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 <laughs> anyways carry on so best song is i think it's called till i get you alone the gap song mm. he did say that line quite a few times in the song mm-hmm. um obviously it's because darren chris sings it if anyone else sang it i would be like it doesn't hit you know but because yeah. it's him it's best song best character or i guess it's mvp MVP, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is probably Kurt. Yeah, Kurt's up there for me too, but I think I'm going to have to go with Lauren Zeissy. She really <gasps> charmed me this episode. Wow! We saw so many sides of Lauren Zeissy's. What's the actor's name? I have no clue. I have no idea. Anyway, she just... Do you remember bef- uh, like last episode? I was like, I bet Diana Agron takes straw and spins gold. Mm-hmm. Like her script probably sucks, but she just like does something with it. Mm-hmm. Lauren Zeiss is like that times like 100,000. She yeah. just, oh, great performance. But Kurt too, great character arc, great performance by Chris. I also think Sam, he was really holding his own in this episode. He didn't do much, but he was doing a great job. I wish he, like, intervened a little bit more, you know? Or if he, I, I, like, I don't know, his reasoning when he was like, you have to kiss Finn. I was like, this makes no sense. You're so stupid. But I feel like he's just confused. Like, he's just getting all turned around, you know? All right. That's it for today. Next week, we're going to be watching episode 13, which is titled The Comeback. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm Claire. And I'm Emily. And this was Emily and Claire. Goodbye.